0: She had my little brother and she had a relationship with his his father and his father was very emotionally abusive towards me and it started helping me connect the dots that all of the men she's been with and by chance the men in my life have all been like emotionally abusive towards me. I started noticing that she changed to adapt to the men that she was with at the time and With that, her expectations kind of changed as well. So things that she would have never accepted in the house before, she now is accepting in the house. Or things that she never would have asked me to do, she's now asking me to do. Things that she has taught us the difference between right and wrong, but when wrong happens, she defends it. I had to have been like 13. And from that point, I had decided, I said, when I get old enough, I just want to move.
1: Every L Podcast. Every L Podcast. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Brown and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hangs you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax and do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Every Old Podcast where we have different guests come on and talk about when they've gone through a certain situation, did they cop an L or did they bring home the W? And in more times than not, we well, ain't going to spoil that for you, you have to listen to other episodes, but we can have a guest on who's going to talk about a time where during one of his situations, or maybe two, we don't know yet, he felt like he copped an L. And we're going to go and explore it. We're going to see how he navigated the situation, what support he had random if any, how he reacted. And just understand better from him what he went through and looking back if he's still considered an L. This individual I came across on socials, Um, I seem to be finding a few people like that these days, which is really nice. Because social media can be a nice place. It's not as bad as some people make it out to be. It just has the potential to be bad if you're looking for that type of stuff. And this individual, his name's Robert, fantastic guy. And the limited interaction I've had with him, he sounds like a solid guy. Someone I'd sort of mess with in real life if he was in the same country as me. But unfortunately, he's all the way over in Texas. And I know when I say in Texas, when you hear his voice, you're going to be thinking like the movie Get Out... I pretty much felt the same way, but it's all good. He's like a sound guy. He's very considerate. He has got his own podcast. Um, I'm not going to sort of go into that because I want to cut you into his intro, but his podcast itself is something that is very reminiscent to something I would listen to because it's self-reflecting. It offers up advice and guidance in terms of how to manage your own feelings and navigate situations. And he's very candid as well, which I guess is quite rare because if you're in a position where you want to talk about helping people to talk about your own struggles is a little bit taboo but I appreciate his honesty I appreciate him just being as real as he is in his podcast so I have a fantastic guy here who wants to talk about a couple of L's that he has and without further ado let me introduce Robert how are you doing sir
0: I'm good. I'm good. It's you know a nice day in Sunken Place, Texas here, <laughs> I, in Get Out, Texas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's more appropriately titled, right?
0: <laughs> but um, I'm I'm doing good. I'm blessed to be here. Really happy to be collaborating with you. I I really appreciate your show as well. I um I found that. This year, I kind of made a conscious effort to be mindful of the things that I consume in terms of digital media, and I've started finding my way into this space on the internet that is actually really healthy, really honest, and not as performance-based, so it was really cool to kind of start coming across content creators who make valuable content, stuff that I would actually want to listen to.
1: Much appreciated. Kind words, kind words. So do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself before we go into your first L?
0: For sure, for sure. Um, I am a professional mental health coach. I practice NLP, which is neuro linguistic processing. And I work with people all over the country uh, in terms of dealing with trauma, stress and anxiety. I've been working in that I've worked in that field for, say, 15 years or so, um, until I decided that I wanted to kind of take a step away from the clinical aspect of mental health and practice a more holistic approach Um, and yeah I've been doing this for quite some time it's really second nature to me and as you said I have my own podcast the group sessions where we kind of dissect a lot of these social dilemmas and things like that and always happy to jump on platforms do community work is something I'm really passionate about so I'm happy to do it and I'm happy to talk about it
1: Oh, thank you very much. And yes, it's group sessions with an S, not just singular. So if you do want to check it out, you'll see it in there. But the information will be in the show notes. So don't worry about it. So we're going to talk about his first L, which is a very interesting one. As you know, guys, I, I get this come through. I look at it and go, hmm, I'll do it when I have the interview. Then the interview comes around, I go, hmm, I didn't look at this. Oh, well, so here we go. So the first L we want to discuss is modelling my life in the failed expectations of my mother and carrying the burdens of her L's. Woo, so, so let's break this down. So my initial reaction to that is, your mum had some lofty expectations for you. And by hook or by crook, you tried to make that happen. It just weren't flying. And it was probably going against how you are as an individual. And anything that she didn't win at, let's say felt like you was carrying it for her expectation. I know. I feel like I probably waffled on that, but
0: that's a fair analysis. You'd make quite a great therapist. That is a fair psychoanalysis. Not too many people can gather that much information from that sentence, but yeah, you're pretty spot on. My mother had incredible expectations for all of us. Me being the oldest, I kind of ran into them the first and, um, As I got older, I started to realize that the expectations that she had of me were things that she could not do or things that she couldn't meet on her own. And so it was more so vicarious living versus just expecting certain things. Like, I was kind of like a second chance at life for my
1: mother. Wow. Well, I just took a punt. I think I was probably mixing a bit of my own personal life of how I perceive things to be. Not necessarily truth, but how I perceive things to be and sprinkling a lot of our culture into it. So kind of happy that I got, I was in the ballpark, but also I'm interested to hear how it actually, how you want to explain it. So if you sort of go for the top, wherever you feel it's relevant to start and yeah, just let me know how, how things went.
0: For sure. I was, I think I was born within a generation of people that kind of, we all were raised to be like, Perfectly quote unquote adjusted children. It was kind of like that millennial bridge back in the late, mid to late 80s, early 90s. And there was a really big deal about raising well adjusted kids, like getting them involved in activities, getting them off in extracurriculars and enrichments and things like that. So I kind of was just came into that environment. But as I grew up, I was always, always trying to please my mother. Like, whatever she wanted us to do or whatever she wanted me to do, I wanted to make sure that I did it the best that could possibly be. And her expectation was that I did it the best that I possibly could be. So we were not allowed to, like, say we didn't know certain things. You know how, like, in certain families, if you say a swear word or curse word, you get in big trouble. So for us, that word was stupid. If you say something stupid, that's like the worst thing you can say in the house. Stupid, I don't know. That was the worst. To say that you don't know something was horrible. You get in so much trouble for that. And she actually kept a stack of encyclopedias from A to Z. And anything we did not know, whether it was a word, an answer to a question, we had to spend time sitting and now reading those encyclopedias about the subject. And this was like in elementary school. (laughs) Like, this is not like when we were teenagers or anything like that. So she was really strict on this concept of perfect achievement. And she put that on me from a really, really young age and... What that kind of led to was that I never really felt good enough because I was always told that you kind of weren't. Like when you're constantly told that you have to do more or have to do better, the offset of what that person is saying is that what you currently are is not enough. So I started internalizing that and I found myself like being more invisible in terms of my own wants and interests and all everything I did had to be modeled around what I thought my mother would have wanted. So, like, moving forward, I would get, like, if I would get, like, average grades, and I was never an A student, I, that that was never my thing, but if I would get average grades, that would just not be good enough. She would just be so disappointed, and as I got more towards, like, towards the end of high school, or about to approach uh, college, I noticed that she just kind of had given up on me. Like, it went from having high expectations to, like, no expectations at all. Like, by that time, she had already had two other children, and she had invested, like, when it comes to success and expectations, she kind of invested that in there. And so from that point, I think coming into, like, like 18 or so, everything that I had accepted as an opportunity for myself had to somehow pass the would my mother want this test? Kind of. And I would start convincing myself that I actually want these things. Like I did so much and I I achieved so much, but not much of it was what I actually wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I would say when I was, I think 20 or 21, this was a month after I had moved out of my house and I moved out, out. Like I moved out of the city. <laughs> I moved out, out to be on my own. And um, Is this why you're in Texas? No, 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 <laughs> I'll tell you later uh, how I wound out,
1: up. Out, out. I was thinking you went out. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'll tell you later how I wound up in Get Out, Texas. That, that is like kind of like the, the turning point for me. But I just actually just moved upstate at the time. And I was like, I, I think in my heart of hearts, i recognized that my household life was really not healthy. And I said, okay, I just have to, I have to move. So I moved upstate and within like 30, I s gotta have been like 30 days. I just started a brand new job, just got a new apartment and my mother got really sick and quickly passed away like super quickly. And from that point forward, I had in my mind that I had to remain a picture of how she would have remembered me. Otherwise, our connection would have been lost. So I kind of like further locked myself into her expectation and I was doing things that I thought she would want. I, wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't even buy something unless I thought it's something she would want me to buy. So I put myself in this really unhealthy relationship, almost like with a ghost when you think about it. And I was just kind of stuck there. So um, at the time I was working in special education, which is a field that I loved. I'm so glad that I found my way into that because that's what navigated me into mental health. Um, But I was going to school for business. The reason why I was going to school for business is because she wanted me to get a business degree and help her start a daycare. But I I didn't want to go to school for business and I was so miserable in it. And I could have just chose something else. But I said, I have to finish this because this is what my mother would have wanted. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with like that sense of like death culture for some reason. And I don't know if this is everybody, but for some reason, at least in America, when people die, we feel like we have to live, let their memory live on in our decisions. And so it's kind of like our responsibility to do what that person would have wanted. And so all of those, all of that, all of that time passed. The only thing that I did that I wanted to do was dance. I did choreography and Even within that, I felt still that would my mother approve of this? Would she consider this like a proper job or a proper opportunity? And it wasn't until I would say my late 20s right at the pandemic that I was stuck with no more distractions. I was stuck with no more outlets and I was really just sitting there with my thoughts and I had a moment of like questioning. I had also applied for Harvard University. I applied for a program that I wanted to do because I was unhappy with my job. And instead of just getting another job, I felt like this is the job my mother would have wanted me to have. So I need to figure out a different way to make money in this job that I didn't really love in the first place. And so I had to put together a portfolio, I had to apply, had to get references But I got in and then the next thing was, okay, well, how are you going to pay for this? So that's going to lead me to make more decisions (laughs) to find other ways of making money to do something that I ultimately don't even really want to do. But that realization kind of hit me and I found myself saying, okay, well, I can't really afford that right now. I'll go to nursing school. My mother was in nursing school. She did it for a semester or something like that. And I said, I think that's something she would have liked for me to do. Get to nursing school, hated it. Shout out to all of the nurses out there. It just was not for me. Um, I was not excited about learning. Um, By this time, I had finished my business school and I was in school for psychology, something that I was really passionate about. But um, man, I I just wasn't. I nothing gave me that spark anymore. Nothing gave me a spark. It was all kind of like being a zombie. So uh, when that pandemic hit. I didn't have any of those distractions. It was just all feelings. And I started asking myself questions like, how did I wind up in nursing school? That's never something I would have ever thought. And so I had unlimited time during the lockdown to kind of backtrack each of my options and my decisions in life. And I was realizing, hey, well, I'm in nursing school because I don't make enough money at my job. But I'm at that job because I didn't feel comfortable living in my house with my mother. And I didn't feel comfortable living in the house with her because she made me feel like a failure. So it instantly clicked that had my mother just kind of accepted me, I probably would be in a totally different everything. (laughs) Like I would probably, all of my decisions would be totally different because they would be decisions that come from me. And I had like, I have this chain that I've, I've wore for a long time and I have uh, well, this is a newer one. I used to have my actual baby chain. I was like pimping when I was little. Like I, I thought I was like big pimping. <laughs> and this ring right here is actually my baby ring and it used to fit around my finger. And so I would have this chain and I also had her uh, high school graduation ring on it too. And so as I'm backtracking all of these things, I'm thinking about how relationships, failed relationships, why are my relationships not successful? Because when I'm in a relationship, I feel like I desperately need that approval. Why do I need a person's approval that I just met? Because I feel like I don't have it anywhere else. Why do I feel like I don't have it anywhere else? Because my mother made me feel like a failure, you know, and so. I started realizing how her toxic ways had bled into so many other aspects of my life, and I look around my room and I have like um, my business degree. I had it framed, sitting up there somewhere, and I would look at it. It would get me mad because I didn't. I didn't even want. I didn't even want it. It was just a waste of thousands of dollars. And then I realized that I had like one of her high expectations literally hanging around my neck, and I just was like. I can't do this anymore. I I, I realized I couldn't do it anymore. And then I also realized that I had actually outrun her in life in a lot of ways. You know, there was things that she didn't, there were things that she didn't support me in, but she still expected me to succeed at. She, she wasn't one of the biggest things. It was funny that I had her graduation ring is because one of our biggest, like, divides were centered around education and I didn't graduate high school on time and she wasn't interested in understanding what I was going through at that time and she just was like she let me have it she was like you're just a failure you're not going to be anything and you messed everything up it was always like I messed everything up for her anytime that I would fail at something Um, And so I don't think that when I went to college because she wanted me to go for what she wanted me to go, um, I'd realized that a lot of what she was doing was projecting her failures onto me. She didn't finish college. She went to college. She started, but she didn't finish because she got pregnant at 19 and had a baby. And that baby was me. And so with me being a disruptor to her life, I realized that she saw me as responsible for picking up the slack that was dropped with me entering the world. And I kind of just put that down one day and I said, you know what? I've kind of I think I've I think I've met her expectations and then surpassed them because I've done things that she couldn't do. She just didn't have it. And it wasn't necessarily about having a child while having children does put a pause on certain things. I was already about 20 years old, you know, and there was opportunity for her to find her map. But she had given up on her own map by designing the maps of her children. And that was the biggest L because... That's when I started realizing that I had mental health issues surrounding that incident and surrounding that relationship with her that had locked me into this pattern of behavior, not just decision making, but also how I interact and how I show up for myself, how I interact with my friends, what I talk about, what I don't talk about. And it just that moment broke me down, like really, really broke me down. But it kind of was a turning point for me to understand the lesson in why it's important to know who you are and to feel, feel validated in who you are and know where you're going. Know that you're doing the things that you're doing for yourself, not to please someone else. Even if you don't realize it, you have to take a step back and have that conversation. So because of that, I made these decisions, and said, you know what, this job I have to go. This isn't my thing. This is my mother's thing. So this job I have to go. Um, Everything in New York would remind me of all of my... like It just echoed the performance aspect of me performing my mother 2.0. Even in my relatives, they would start having conversations with me as if they were talking to her. And it just was... I saw that I was willingly finding myself into a replacement of her. And I just was like, I I, I can't do that. that. That just can't be me. So um, quit my job.
1: Did you feel that you was being seen? <clears throat> that you wasn't being seen? Yeah, of course.
0: I wasn't showing myself. No one was able to see or acknowledge me because I was always taught to be in the background of her. So I never felt, like I was worthy enough to put myself at the front, to show myself um, I was laboring under the illusion that if people saw me, I would not be accepted because that's just how things had been for me for so long. Um, and so I, I talked to people about what I was dealing with, talked to my doctor about what I was dealing with, and I actually... I will work. I was working a different job for a little bit. It was a suicide counseling job remotely from Los Angeles and I just saved up. And one day I just said, I don't need to stay here anymore. I said, I don't need to stay here anymore. My family historically, like my great grandmother and her family, I don't really know them, but I know that they were from this space and I had just one of my best friends he actually lives out here and he has his kids and his wife and I just was like you know what there's some place I need to be and it's not here it's not New York and you know it was hard to explain that to people but I I had to go somewhere else and I kept seeing myself in a space like this now did I consider the political environment and how I would feel about that no I didn't but Texas has I've been to Texas before and it's just always been a vibe like it's something about everything being super flat and just looking straight ahead and seeing the entire horizon it just felt super peaceful so I said that if I'm going to start this journey of presenting and finding who I am I need to start in spaces that feel like they feed who I am and so the slower pace, plus the change of scenery, being closer to one of my childhood friends, and just also developing a different idea of family. I said, you know what? The opportunities here. Tickets was really, really cheap during the pandemic, so I said, if it doesn't work, I've worked my ass off in upstate New York, I can always go back and get hired somewhere, I I know people I can stay with, I worked really, really hard of building a professional reputation in that city, so it's there, but I could also just stay with my friend for a month or two while I'm saving, getting a new job, getting a place, and try something different, and so that's what led me to get out Texas.
1: It sounds unfortunate you had to go through such an ordeal. And I think I can identify with a lot of those things. Not necessarily personally I can identify with them, but because I've witnessed them in other people. But when you mentioned about what you liked about the flat land and that you could see the horizon, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just felt like, because you could see the horizon, it felt like there was no surprises. There was nothing being hidden from you. Whereas when you was with your mother, it felt like every so often the curveball would appear mm. and it would be like, oh, you haven't done this? Oh, what's that? Oh, mate, I I can just look out and I can see from where I am to where I want to get to. No surprises. It's just that. And I, I guess in some way, in my head again, it was just, it represented the... the tranquility, the the straightforwardness of it all, where there was no surprises. It was just from here to there, if I, if I wanted to take it.
0: Absolutely, and it also felt like clarity. Like I felt like I could breathe. There was nothing crowding me. And if I stayed where I was in life, that was okay. You know, it, it was no, there is no competition in front of me. There are no hurdles. There are no expectations almost. It's just, just be here, present right now, and everything is fine. So that is uh, a major component as to why I've always kind of been attracted
1: to Get Out Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you find out that your home environment was toxic to you by the way your mother was treating you
0: uh i found well when did I find out she i found out when i would say she had my little brother and she had a relationship with his his father um and his father was very like emotionally abusive towards me and it started helping me connect the dots that all of the men she's been with and by chance the men in my life have all been like emotionally abusive towards me Um, and I started noticing that she changed to adapt to the men that she was with at the time and with that her expectations kind of changed as well so things that she would have never accepted in the house before she now is accepting in the house or things that she never would have asked me to do she's now asking me to do things that she she has taught us the difference between right and wrong but when wrong happens she defends it so that was I had to have been like 13 and from that point I had decided I said when I get old enough I just want to move I didn't want to go to college I didn't care about any of that I just wanted to move out of the home and just be somewhere where things are more predictable and I have more control and more more of a voice in in those types of spaces and stuff Um, but it really kind of solidified as I got older and when I became the age 19 which was the age that she got pregnant with me and I asked her I, I said I came home from work one day and I said, ma, um, so I turned 19 in a week <laughs> and I just have to ask you, cause I'm 19 now. I think I'm doing okay for a 19 year old, which I was, I was doing okay for a 19 year old, but I was not in the position to have a child. And so I bold and willingly asked her why, like, how did, what was, what was she thinking? At this age in terms of having a child, because she's always told me that I was planned. I wasn't like a accidental pregnancy thing. And she told me, she said, well, I wanted to have something that was going to give me unconditional love. And I knew that if I had a child, that that's what I would get in return. And so... I I took a moment to kind of like process that and that when, by her saying that it helped me frame the way that she saw me in her eyes and it gave context to what she imagined my role to be in her life, even before I got here. And so from that point, I think that really clicked and helped me understand that it was a toxic
1: environment. All right got three kids and i don't think i'm gonna get unconditional love for them because i know how i stay so it might be unconditional love don't mean they're gonna like me it's one of those situations where i feel that you kind of have to pour in to get anything out and whatever you pour in it may not come out in the way you want it to like coming back to you more times than not it might go out to other people but I guess that's something you should anticipate. But but to be fair, 19 is a young age. I, I don't feel I could have been a parent at 19. I don't feel I'd have been at the mental capacity to do a good enough job. And everyone deals with things in their own way, probably carrying forward their own traumas, whatever, whatever. And I'm not trying to make excuses for her. I'm just saying that I know everyone goes for their own struggles and will deal with it in a way that they feel they can justify at the time. But obviously, in your situation, that feels painful the fact that you then had to be the person to carry the torch forward to try and live out all her failed dreams and aspirations and I, it sounds like instead of being your cheerleader in the corner, she's the one that's like, I don't know, that cut football coach that sort of dogs on you because you ain't performing yeah, adequately enough. And exactly. sort of hasn't got the referee but then says, Oh, don't worry, it's not you're not you ref, you're doing alright. It's this idiot, he's not doing good enough and yeah. I guess even if people don't think it's bad to say so stuff, because like, I'll be completely candid. I, there are times I catch myself talking to my son and I'll say that, like, be a good boy, don't be a naughty boy. Is this good behaviour, bad behaviour. And I feel like I'm eloquently explaining myself, but then sometimes I feel like I'm probably using the wrong phrase at that time and associating them following orders with it being good behaviour when that's not actually accurate. But for me, it felt right at the time. And I'm very aware, and don't get wrong, I will. I try and mix it up as well as I can, but eventually it's building up something. It's either going to build them up in terms of confidence to be themselves and to explore the world as they need to be, or it's going to build up a wall where they eventually going to identify it being a wall and hide behind it, and I won't be able to have that relationship with my children that I'd like to have. I've learned from my past experience with my family and so forth like that, I haven't spoken to my dad for fourteen years, and that's a that's that's a conscious decision that I've made because there was just no value in it for me to talk to him. He's not seen his grandkids from me, so and there's no going forward. There's no plans for that happening because I don't feel it's a healthy environment for myself nor my family to be involved in. What you did sounds very reminiscent of that where You felt like for me to rediscover who I am or not even to rediscover because correct me if I'm wrong it feels like you never even knew who you really was because you wasn't allowed to find out who you was exactly what sparks that that within you to not be scared to go out on your own not knowing who you are well I
0: I had nothing else to lose the it was where I was at was worse mentally not knowing who I am, not knowing where I'm going to sleep, that was an easier burden to carry than knowing that no matter who I become or how hard I try, I'm still nothing in this environment. Uh, when I moved, I I didn't have a place to to live. I just when I moved upstate, I was actually sleeping wherever I could uh, for the first couple of weeks until I got myself an apartment. But I was willing to, I just, I just had enough. I just, I had enough. And I think that I out matured my mother and I started to notice that she saw me as an equal, as an adult. She didn't really consider me one of her children anymore. She just saw me as...
1: At what age was that? This
0: was around 19, between 19 and 20. Yeah. She, she started... She started wanting me to, she treated me like I was like her partner in terms of stability. Like I was also responsible for providing stability at home. So she asked me to be my little brother's godfather. And she wanted me to, you know, help her with investments and things like that. And it just, it turned into a more emotion well not emotion well yeah more emotional complete disconnect and so I had outgrown her in terms of that maturity I realized that what she had I didn't really want I I didn't want that um, and I just want it better for myself Um, I was severely severely depressed for years and I just realized at some point I said I couldn't do this anymore so whatever was on the other side of that unpredictability, there was no possible way that it was worse than what I had already lived for the past 10 to 15 years.
1: Wow. And did that impact your relationships with friends, people who you went to try and get in a romantic relationship with?
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Absolutely. When, you are a, when you're comfortable with that level of detachment, intimate with within your your parental relationships think about like intimacy like as the sun and all of the planets that orbit around are different levels of connectivity to the sun's gravity that intimate relationship if most people are in like ring three or four of intimate connection with a stranger I was at like Pluto so (laughs) where people would start off in terms of connecting with each other and things like hugging that was very weird and uncomfortable for me i didn't understand it i didn't get that growing up i didn't get the affection and i didn't get that so connecting with people talking about my feelings holding hands with someone that was very uncomfortable it felt intrusive it felt like i was like almost being violated like why you know physical affection was really strange so That was really difficult in relationships, but even just in my friendships, I I still was in this cycle of performing because I'd already set the stage to create this persona that I know they would like. I had a lot of practice in becoming something that people would like. So I was kind of stuck in that for a while because I didn't know how to not be that anymore. So it was kind of like creating that facade that would interact with the world, but at the end of the day, I was still alone. I was still by myself because I would never let myself come to the forefront.
1: That that really hurts to hear, because you sound like a fantastic human being, and the fact that that was sheltered for so long just feels like the world was deprived of such a gem. But thankfully, you're here, shining brightly, doing your thing.
0: I am. I've arrived, and I think becoming my organic self has been like the hardest hardest challenge um and they're constantly wrenches thrown in that i I feel like within like a couple of years after she passed, I don't have any relationship with my father either. I've baby met him like twice when I was little, but he's been in jail for valid reasons for a really long time and one day he just found me on Facebook or something this is actually i think this is the reason why I don't really put my personal life on the the internet no more because he found me and his message to me was just basically like in a nutshell I don't really want you and I don't want anything to do with you and I just want you to know that like really like really cold and from what I hear he's known to be like a very cold uh, manipulative person And I think he wanted a reaction out of me. But at the moment, I just was like, well, I'm about 30 something years old. I guess I'm okay with that. And he was upset. He said, well, I'm going to go talk to your uncles or I'm going to go. I said, well, you can enjoy that. I don't speak to any of them either. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be happy to hear from you. But that was actually on Father's Day. And I didn't realize it because Father's Day hasn't really been something. that registered with me really, but that hurt me. And I didn't think that something like that would, I'm like, I don't know this guy, but it kind of reinforced that idea of like me being like an unwanted child. And I remember thinking like, why would someone not want me as a, as a son? I'm pretty cool. Like I'm cool as shit. I do a lot of cool shit and I just didn't get it, but I had to recover and kind of go over all of that work that I had done with myself a second time over. So you you can only imagine, like, it's abnormally easy for me to disconnect. And because I expect the disconnection at some point between people, I withheld what I invested in people emotionally.
1: That is very manipulative in terms of, I'm going to reach out to you and tell you I don't want you. What is this, kiss chase in the playground? Like, don't push me over and tell me you don't like me, but you really like me, and that you want me to come exactly chase That was exactly
0: what it was. That was exactly what it was. And I just was like,
1: okay. You're a grown man using these playground tactics. That was that was weird. <laughs> that is bizarre. And I think, like, I, I get it, right? Because you as an individual are amazing. The fear of having a child, you do not know can petrify people, right? You all have that, oh my gosh, I don't know who you are. So I don't have to judge you based on who you're going to be. I'm judging you based on the fact that you're a number of cells in a person's body. And I get that at that time. But as time grows, evolves and moves on, and that person is a person, and that person has made connections with various people, got their own thing going and stuff like that, what you thought back then is no longer relevant to now, even if it is still relevant to now, keep that to yourself because that's got, don't put that on that person because that person's doing bits. That person is amazing to other people. doesn't have to be amazing to you because you cut them out. That's your business. But let them do them. Let them be happy that they're alive, that they're around, that they're bringing joy, be able to make, us, make me smile on my worst day, always able to comfort me, give me a hug, give me a high five, give me a spud, whatever it is. And I think some people do get that wrong where they feel that because you feel a certain way, and I'm speaking to myself in some instances, because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you have to tell that person you feel a certain way. You have to process it in a healthy way, if possible. And, you know, if it means you have to shoulder it on your own, then so be it. Or go speak to someone else that you can confide in. But you don't necessarily have to tell that to the person and make them doubt their their existence what does that do? What does that gain other than that could be destroyed rates of Cowell's back and that's not really good. But you went and did therapy, didn't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. 110%. As soon as I, before I moved out of New York City, it was important for me to do some sort of therapy. I had, I was at the tail end of my business program. It's uh, This was 2009. And I knew that I wanted to study psychology um, and I knew that I didn't if I was going to start this new chapter in my life, I didn't want to start it with like residue of the past as best as I can possibly control. So yeah, I, I contact I was at the age where I can actually con- talk to my own doctors and make my own appointments and things like that. So hell yeah, I did therapy from 2009 for, I would say, a good 10 years of therapy in 2019 and I was very resistant at first I was not liking it I said it wasn't for me um, but I stuck with it it was quite off and on but it was important for me to make that step to start to have someone else help me analyze myself and be more intentional with the things that I do especially because I had no idea who I was I, I didn't I didn't know how to look for who I was I didn't know where to look for who I was So I needed someone to help me find that roadmap. Or I guess multiple people. I went through quite a few therapists. I was not the, I was a difficult client. When I tell you, the worst type of client for therapy is the psychology student. We went up in there. I said, "Listen, I don't want a coping skill. I've already psychoanalyzed myself. I'm not taking a medication. I don't need textbook therapy because I have the books at home. I need something original, something that has not happened before. I need a new approach to the mind." And they would look at, me, <laughs> they would look at me like, "Who do you think you are?" Like, wow! That's not happening. Nobody's and I just was. I was very resistant. I refused to be treated like a, like a patient because I had patients of my own. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not here for that. And they would just look at me like, okay. And so I went through quite a few. Um, My most effective year, I think, where I made the most progress was. after I had this, when I was upstate New York and I realized what I was doing and right when I decided that I was going to move to Texas, I had a therapist and he actually was just a, a student. He was a med student. But the great thing about him is that he didn't know the textbooks. He didn't know. So he really was actually curious and it was not like, It didn't feel scripted. And if he didn't know what to do, he would just say, "I, I really don't know what to do. I don't I don't know what to tell you. And it was really reassuring to know that what I was going through to some people was actually kind of impossible. And if it felt impossible for me, there's a good chance that it might just be an impossible scenario. And it's supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be challenging because it's not expected. It's not normal. And so, yeah, that that kind of was around the time that I also chose to kind of step away from the clinical aspects because I started noticing that even what was required of me when I was working with people in these capacities, that clinics and hospitals and institutions have a very scripted directive that you're trained to approach people in before actually getting to know people and that i guess this i don't want to call it i guess like a clinical wall but there's a wall of separation between you observing a person and them observing you so you kind of give a very flat feedback and you study them it's not a lot and you keep that kind of to yourself and to the treatment team but you have very scripted ways that you're supposed to connect with them and it's very specific actually because if you as a provider don't use certain words in your session or you use certain words, then it can't be billed for by insurance. So people are very, very strict on what you can and cannot say and how to say it in therapy sessions so that it can be billable, which is why traditional, typical psychotherapy sessions, it takes a lot of years for someone know how to know how to navigate around those buzzwords. So you'll find yourself in a session where your therapist is like really, really quiet and doing a lot of like nodding, but is kind of almost afraid to interject because they know if they say the wrong thing that they could lose their job with their license, you know, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. So in this journey to find myself, I said, okay, self, what exactly do I want to do with psychology and therapy? I don't want to do what I've seen any position that I've seen I know I don't want to do that and I stumbled across alternative therapies holistic mental health life coaching and it was amazing when I was training for NLP it was like learning to be human when you're approaching another human mind like being able to talk to someone about mental health without clocking in was really really different And one of the first, there's 12 like staples and understandings or suppositions that we learn in order to approach a person. And the first one that we learned was everybody operates perfectly. They just sometimes use bad strategies. And I was like, I never, I was never, (laughs) I was never taught that. I was, I've never seen anyone approach a person who is struggling with the understanding that their struggle is a perfect struggle designed for them and that within their mind is the answer, not in your textbook. So I love it. And now that's what I do. And it's like my favorite thing ever.
1: How to you. I love that. And the last question for you Did you deal with this in an unhealthy way or? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I was so destructive, man. I was, I would show, like I told you, I had that personality that people saw. I call it like a perfect depression because I was obsessed with perfection and I knew how to perfectly design a personality. And so I would design these personalities that people could see, but they never got to see me. Man, I went through a sex addiction out out of control, I never really, I had like this, you know how people say you have a death wish? I never wanted to actively be known for taking my life, but I always secretly wished that I was in a fatal accident. So if I, like I would be drunk driving and this was so reckless. I don't know how this was so reckless, but I would be like speaking I mean, speeding. Oh my gosh. Just driving super fast, hoping that something accidentally happened to me, or I would just take things really, really far. Um, I would drink way too much hoping that, okay, well maybe, you know, um, it, it was, I, I had, a had, and still have in some ways a very addictive personality. So I had a ton of terrible vices and and ways of just, I don't want to say dealing with more so avoiding the problem, but it was really bad. Um, I remember I had fell off of a ladder and this was around the time that I just started becoming inattentive and I fell off of a ladder while I was on a phone trying to put an air conditioner in a closet those activities just don't seem safe. (laughs) They don't seem like they should go together. But I was so inattentive and tapped out of the moment, like in autopilot. And I fell off of this ladder and I tore my rotator cuff in the worst way. And so I got, I went to a doctor, obviously a doctor that didn't know me and they prescribed me like some type of pain pill. And that was like, I was popping those pills like it was nobody's business, like it was out of control. But I was looking for a temporary relief from the weight of just being numb. So the dangerous behavior was more so adrenaline, and I just wanted to feel something. Um, and by feeling that adrenaline, is kind of like wanting that release of the pressure and stuff like that. So uh, I had a ton of really bad coping strategies that no one knew about because I still had that perfect depression kind of thing I still was obsessed with that perfection space and I knew that as long as I showcased perfect effort or perfect result in other aspects of my life no one would wonder if I was actually going through something or not.
1: Can I ask why was you being so reckless hoping that something tragic would happen to you?
0: Because I didn't know how to live. I didn't I had the responsibility of carrying the weight of these expectations that I knew I either could not meet or I didn't want to meet. And I didn't know how to live for myself and trying it just felt so it was like being in a gym and just never taking a break. I was tired. I was tired of trying to find me and trying to escape my mother at the same time. I I I was tired. And then I was also tired of kind of putting on a facade for other people. I was tired of feeling completely in the way in terms of life, like I was just floating. I was not tethered or connected to anybody. It just was like I was there and I I was tired. It was just it was so much energy and I just felt like If I just like lose my life in a tragic accident, it's still another way to kind of escape it. But nobody will know that I kind of wanted it to happen.
1: Very interesting. With all that ordeal, have you been able to work out when that started to happen? Because I'm, I'm curious to know if your mother was like that when your siblings started coming along or do you think it was before that?
0: I would say it was before that. Like you, one thing that you pointed out when we first started is that everyone kind of has their own story as well. And I think that my mother being this way was a reflection of probably how she was raised and her trauma and things like that. So what she produced in parenting was probably the best outcome that she had available to her. Um, But these like uh, these expectations came before I even got here. And so I think the the promises of them lasted up until you know I would say my sister was born and then things kind of turned really cold really quickly because my sister was way better at meeting these expectations so it's kind of like some of that investment in me kind of moved and then over time it just kept kind of like repositioning itself and until there was no more investment, just disappointment. So it was a slow transition between, you
1: know, that time. So the reason I asked the question is because I haven't asked the question and I will feel free to tell me you don't want to disclose it if you don't feel comfortable, but if you would like to have children in your future, if you don't already have children, is that a fear you have that you will do the same with your children as what was done with you?
0: Uh, that's a really good question. Having children actually used to scare me because I didn't want to be that. I was like, I don't want to provide like an emptiness to a child. I don't want to make them feel that way. I also had to babysit all of my life and I just I kind of just didn't want any kids. I was tired of it um, until after my mother passed away her, her wishes, which is so weird that that happened. Um, I had to take custody of my brother very shortly after, well, my great grandmother first, I had to care for her and to her transitioning into her last days, but I had to take custody of my brother and he was 13, 13, 14. And I raised him into out of high school. So that was really interesting because I, I was very conscious of the things that I was doing, like certain things I didn't realize, like, for example, my mother, I I remember at some point her door, she would come in the house and her door was closed and we were just in the house and she was just in her room. And I remember like a couple of days after like after getting him in school and getting him in the routine and getting past that paranoid phase that when he's not home, you think that he's going to die and like something really like there's going to be an avalanche or something like getting past that phase. I remember feeling so burnt out that I would come home and I would just go in my room. And after like a week, I said, whoa I think I'm doing the same thing that I grew up in. So I had to stop doing that. And I actually wound up kind of sleeping in the living room for a good amount of time, just because I wanted to be as available to him as possible. If that makes sense. I'm sure that probably wasn't the best solution, but I didn't know what I was doing. I, I wasn't
1: prepared. You went to be more visible. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had to start thinking about the indirect repetition of those habits. Like at, The things that I would be doing that I would think that I would not do, but I don't realize that I'm doing them. And it helped me understand that she probably didn't realize that she was doing what she was doing either. But it was great. It was a great experience. And parenting definitely changed me. It forced me to be a lot more mature, forced me to grow up in a lot of different ways um, and understand the role of an adult in a child's life. That's something I didn't know what that felt like or experienced before. Um, Understand like the importance of having conversations with your kids when you're when you're correcting behaviors and and being consistent in the approach on how you correct these behaviors. And then also it taught me how to let go of them and let them be their own person. Uh, So that was an interesting experience. I don't know if I still have that instinctive fear of being a parent, um, that's something that you probably, I feel like that's something that's just going to hit you. If you have kids, it's like, boom, (laughs) you know? So I, I, I don't know, but I know that I'm not as afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of having children. I'm not afraid of getting married. Those are things that are, that I see as possible opportunities in my life and that I'm confident now that I can show up in those ways and show them who I am and show them that I see who they are as well.
1: That's beautiful. So if you're going to say that's not an L, what are you calling it?
0: I would not say that's an L. I would say that that was like a a test. Well, not a test, but it was more so an exercise of, of, of becoming who I'm meant to be in the future. I think that that experience prepared me to have a new level of sensitivity for people. Um, And it taught me, it gave me an inside look at how thoughts, behaviors, and actions are connected in ways that people may not understand. So I think this was certainly, it was, I guess it was like a lecture, It was a really, really long lecture. (laughs) It was a really long lecture. Um, But it it was, it honestly was worth it. And to say that, it feels like it's not fair. And I don't think it was fair. But I just feel blessed to have come out on the other side of that. And to have realized that there's so many other darker directions that life could have taken me. But for one reason or another I'm here I've made it out of all of those things and I'm helping other people make it out of things and so
1: good to hear so if you could go back to and I think you know I want to go with this so if you go back in time let's get a twofold question if you can go back to the point where you was at your lowest point when was that and what was you doing and what would you say to your younger self to help you push through to go on an upward turn
0: what would i say with to my younger self to help myself push through i would i would just tell myself that i was i was perfect and that i was managing and handling things as perfectly as possible um in terms of feeling weak and feeling vulnerable i would i would reaffirm that i didn't need to change who I was or how I was to be acceptable. That my particular life story is a story that's for me. It's not for other people. And it's my job to kind of be the owner of that story. Um, I would definitely tell myself to um, be still a little bit more. Like, I wish that I could have known the value of, like, meditation at a young age. Uh, I think that would have really done a lot for me. I didn't know how to, I guess, just be still. I always felt like I had to transform over and over. Um, so I, I, would, I would tell myself to kind of just be still and just be who I am in the moment that I'm that person and it's okay if it's not good enough for people around me. It's just for me. That's why. In terms of my lowest point, in my lowest point, I don't think that there would have been anything else that could have been done. But in general, in in other low points in my life, I think I would have to as uncomfortable as it would be, I would have to show myself to myself. Like I would have to have some type of mirror to say, this is what you think you're doing. And this is what you're actually doing. Uh, For me, knowing myself, that would shake me. That would like snap me out of it Uh, knowing because I wouldn't want the, the, the discomfort of not being as in control as I think I am in of myself and my experiences, that would bother me. So I would kind of go back to that time where I'm just like not invested, not cold, not um, being open with people, having a secret death wish or binge drinking and just, just going wild. I would honestly show myself to myself. Cause that's the one thing, that's the one thing I didn't have. Once I realized what was happening, um, I had to question my friendships. I had to question my friendships and really think about why would, why would you let me do this? You know, why would you be a part of me? You know, and realizing that in some circles and some spaces, I was the source of entertainment for the group. I wasn't really, you know, And so I would definitely want that. I would want to have someone kind of show me like, hey, um, I don't know if you realize this is what you're doing, but let's play this tape back so you can kind of look at it and determine if that's something you still want to do or if that's something that you want to change.
1: So let's assume you didn't have a tape player because life don't happen like that when you're traveling, right? Right. <laughs> How are you articulating this to your younger version of yourself? And would your younger self listen?
0: I know that I would listen because I wanted someone to talk to me really, really badly. I was really into puzzles when I was little. I would have to connect it with something that I already understood. So if I would say, hey, little me, you are writing a story for yourself, And whatever you write, you have to live it. So make sure that whatever you write in your story is something that you want to live with. And I would also tell myself it's okay if some people in the story are bad guys, even though they're not supposed to be bad guys. That's kind of a part of the story, too. But it's still up to you to you get control of what you want to write in the story. No one else gets to control how that story gets written. Um, Yeah, and I think I would I think I would connect with that. I was really into I was very observant when I was a kid. I just was always into some level of psychology, always curious about the way things worked and about how people worked and things like that. So I think that um, understanding that my life is a story and this is a part of a story and that since I'm writing the story, nobody else can like control the outcome of it. I think that would be really
1: helpful. Sounds good. Sounds really positive because I think a lot of us don't notice what we're lacking until later on in life. And it's not necessarily a negative thing on those that are our caregivers because the caregivers have got whatever they're doing at any given time, but at some point you take responsibility for your own well-being, and when you can do better, in theory you should then do better. So, like yourself, take yourself to therapy, even though there's probably some stigma around that. um You know, yes, you got the medication and whatnot, but then eventually you found a way to not necessarily pursue with that it's all these different things where if you know better, do better in theory. And I know the theory is very black and white when in practical terms, you need to then replace that with something else, something that's going to be better for you long-term. But I'm glad that you're able to identify that within yourself. And that is what you would want from yourself in terms of someone that just took that time to be with you and to just tell you about your story. And it's, and the fact that it's an emphasis on your, your story rather than anything else. I do want to ask you a question before I conclude. When you said about meditating and all the different things that you mentioned, do you think your environment at the time would have allowed you to have that time to do those activities?
0: Yeah, I do. I had time with my thoughts. Um... I was really, especially when I was young, I was very neglected. I was on my own in a lot of places. Um, If I knew that it was something, if I knew how to meditate and I knew that it was something that I could do in just a few minutes, I had time to do that because what I was doing when I wasn't meditating is still escaping in my mind just into more. Unhealthy and dangerous mental spaces. Um, it would have been nice to have a place to go mentally when things became overwhelming, versus having like the experience be so triggering that my mind is doing its own gymnastics.
1: Well, left me a bit speechless there. I don't know what to say. <laughs>
0: what about you? Do you, how would you tell your younger self? to do things differently like how would you go back in time in this um imaginary time machine how would you teach your younger self a lesson in a way that your younger self would understand
1: i guess the easiest way i can think of is just take me out for a car drive and just do something that's fun relaxing just have a one-on-one And we could cover so many variety of topics because it's just a one-on-one situation from someone that's taking an interest in me. It's not time-bound. It's not, I have to look over my shoulder because my mum's there ready to kick me in my head if I say anything inappropriate. Or say anything that she might feel brings shame upon the house or the name, whatever. And that would be it. But I think that for me in this moment in time would be cool because I'm okay in a crowd or my own. But if I got someone that wants to take time to know me as an individual and I learn stuff as I talk, that'll probably be my, my go to.
0: I like that. I got one more better question. Which version of yourself would you send back in time?
1: Depends what the situation is because I've gone through <laughs> a host of situations. But to be perfectly honest, I think any future version of myself would be a better version because I'm in a period where I'm now faulty. I didn't think I had milestones, but I can honestly tell you, I did. And the milestones I had were having a house, having a car, having kids, having a wife, not in that order, but having all these things. Never thought I'd get reached full to. And now I feel like I'm in free fall. I have no idea what I'm doing, where I'm going, how it's going to work out. Doesn't mean I'm not going to keep going, but I have no set ambitions of what I always do because my, one of my cousins actually hung himself at the age of 21 and that's when I was back in school. So as far as I'm concerned, I've always wanted to celebrate my life every year going forward. Here I am where I am. And it's like, wow, he checked out a long time ago. Yet here I am. And I don't know what's next, what's to do. So it's very difficult. But again, anything in the future would have been a better version of myself than whatever. Well, not a better version, but. Uh, a more mature version of the one when I was younger, doing whatever they were doing at the time.
0: That's cool. Just make sure that you're of driving age because you don't want to send your, yourself back before you got a license to go for this drive.
1: Bro, I've got parks near me. We could have gone in a park somewhere. Got a slushy <laughs> resort. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. As long as one one like, I'm all
0: right. I, I always think too, like, when dealing with, like, um children because I do have clients who are kids and when I'm working with them it's important to kind of like connect with that common interest because kids they know a lot they're so they're sponges they'll absorb everything it's just that when we get older we learn to apply what we know and we learn to use that pattern to understand other things that we don't understand Uh, for me I think I would probably send my I would say like a good 22. I had a pretty impressive profile at that time. And I think that around that time I had done things. I was like, I didn't, I never would have thought I would ever be able to never, ever. Um, I had popularity. I didn't think I would ever be (laughs) popular. Like people, that was weird. So I, I would probably send like the more cooler energetic version of myself. I had a lot of energy when I was little. Like, so now I I can't do that. (laughs) I can't do that. I just turned, I just turned uh, 35 like last week. And I was like, if I had to deal with like five-year-old me, I'd be like, listen, you got to sit down somewhere. You can't, (laughs) you got to sit down somewhere. Um,
1: You find the strength, you find the strength. But it it is, it is, I think it's all relative at the day, right? It depends on what the situation requires and you just. Cast your mind back, or put on that personality, or release that personality to for that occasion, and just make it happen. And that's that's how I treat it. But I know that I know that from my thoughts. Just having someone have the time to talk to me, get to know me, understand what I'm saying, not judge me negatively for what I'm saying, and know that that thought I'm saying without me having to give it a caveat, because I'm too young to know what a caveat is, to be able to know that what you're feeling right now isn't necessarily how you're going to feel next time you hold a conversation. And knowing the fact that I will show up is important because I, I guess I didn't have that many reliable men in my life. So I think you try and be the people that you didn't have in your life growing up. But sir, let me ask you this. Are you proud of the person you became despite all that you went through.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm even more so proud of the person that I am considering what I've went through. Uh, I think each stage I had some level of pride at each stage of who I was, but I wasn't proud of me because I didn't see me realizing that just kind of evaluating these obstacles and realizing where I'm at now, I feel like I have a purpose and my purpose has been generated by all of those experiences, the good and the bad. So I'm extremely proud of myself now, but I'm proud of me. It's not just a matter of an achievement type of pride. I'm actually proud of who I am right now and the fact that I have been able to navigate and find my way to this space, which is a really, really good, really, really uh, peaceful, uh, self-validating, therapeutic, helping other people, just feeling good about myself and being in a healthy mental space. I'm extremely proud. And I'm also willing to protect that space against anything that threatens to break it down.
1: Um so happy you feel that way because I think you, you said that you handled it very well and the person you are today is incredible so I'm absolutely happy if it means that you was in a very toxic environment but you know what they say what manure is the best fertilizer if it means that it helped you to sprout into the fantastic flower that you are now then so be it and yeah it is what it is So if I, I could wouldn't change to-
0: anything I wouldn't change anything It, it I would not I it would suck because I don't know that I would want to live it again, but the combination of experiences in this particular timeline, the fact that I'm past it, I, w- I wouldn't I would like want anyone to go back into time and like mess with stuff. Like, it, like, you know how the flash, he always goes back and like mess with like he's That's always like stupid stuff every single <laughs> I wouldn't want anyone to just go mess with something and then I'll wind up in an alternate future. I'm really cool with this version of me. I don't know that I would want to relive it, but just for someone to go back and do some adjustments, I wouldn't want anybody to change it.
1: That's fair enough. So sir for the next two minutes, if you could selfishly plug anything and everything you got guy on, on where people can find you.
0: Instagram. Go on Instagram. Follow me at Robert St. Michael. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-S-A-I-N-T-M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And that's where you'll keep up with all of my projects. I do have a podcast called The Group Sessions with an S. It's plural. Uh, And if you're looking for bookings, individual sessions, or anything like that, I do do individual counseling sessions. Um, You can find that at robertstmichael.com. Uh, And I've also published a couple of things, too, so you can check that out. I have a free essay out there that people really, really like, so you can download that in the ebook and check that out. But yeah, I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's my main thing, really. Uh, So anything that you need to know about me that I want you to know that I'm willing to let you know, you'll find it on my Instagram page
1: much appreciated. so thank you very much for sharing so as you hear Robert's been through a very 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 tough upbringing and which not to say all of us had a tough upbringing but I'm sure aspects of it that we look back and not think too fondly of it but I'd like to think just like Robert said at the end of the day he's happy with where he's at right now and I'd like to think the listeners who's listening to this right now also feel the same way and it kind of gives you hope kind of gives you feelings to give you feelings to know that whatever you're feeling right now isn't necessarily what feeling you're going to have going forward. This is only a moment and, and yes, it can feel very dark, very gloomy, but the way I see things, if there's a shadow, there's a light source somewhere casting a shadow and if I give up, I'll never find the light. So I need to keep going on in a in a direction until I find that light. Seasons come and go. In the UK, we know this. We get four seasons in a day, so... Trust me. If you're here, you know it. If you live in other countries, you also know it. But it takes months before you feel the seasons. So why is your situation any different? If you've got people in your life that treat you such a way, you're gonna become an age where you're old enough to go and leave and do your own thing. It might have to be yes. I'm scared because I've been told I'm worthless. I'm, I'm told I'm this. I'm told I'm that. But like Robert says, if you feel bad and there's like nothing else that could be worse than where you're at right now, what have I got to lose? Let me just bounce. Put my give myself the potential to be happy rather than know for certainty I'm not going to be happy where I'm at so be kind to yourself love yourself as you need to and when you look in the mirror don't just see a reflection look at you and identify who you are what you like and what you want to achieve in your own life because it is your story and yes you might be in chapter one or two or whatever number you're at right well One or two, you can't listen to podcasts. Let's get it right. But you might be at a certain chapter where you feel like there's still time. Maybe book one. Book one, there we go.
0: Maybe you're on book one of a story, yeah.
1: Yeah, there we go. But ultimately, there are multiple chapters which you are able to write the story out to. Some chapters are going to be a bit long and drawn out. Some chapters are going to be quite exciting and adventurous. And some chapters are going to be a bit spicy, whatever. But ultimately, it's your story. And make it what you can. Because this is the only thing that you really kind of have the ability to control. So do what you need to do. Do not give in to fear if possible. I know it's easily done. But just know you've got this. You've survived every worst day so far. And you'll continue to do so. There's nothing about a caterpillar that tells you it's going to be a butterfly. And your right now is not your forever. Look after yourself. And I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Take care. back.